Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone, I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. I'm Maury Forth. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this fine program along with all the fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to robhasawebsite.com slash feed. That's R-H-A-P-U-P-S feed. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our feed. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. And if you've already subscribed, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. Sarah, what did we watch this week? We watched Dancing on the Grave, an India Today Originals production. It's available on Prime in the US and in Australia. And... She was brave enough to come out camping with us in Keeper of the Ashes and stalked the streets with us in Indian Predator. We are delighted to welcome back to the scene the irrepressible Sasha Joseph. Sasha, how are you? Hi, everyone. So good. So glad to be back with y'all again. Another banger. We've made it. (laughs) We're here. We did it, (laughs) y'all. After we started with Keeper of the Ashes, we are very selective about what we ask you for. It's like you went down, down into the depths with us. Let's rise up a little. Oh, God. Yes. 
So to the crime. Shakare Namazi was an Indian real estate developer and philanthropist who married an Indian diplomat, Akbar Khalili, who was also her first cousin. He was the Indian envoy to Iran and Australia. They divorced in 1985 and she married Swami Sharananda, who was born Murali Manohar Mishra the following year. Her family, her four daughters, noticed she was missing in 1991 and alerted the police. In 1994, after inaction by law enforcement, her daughter Sabah bullied the Bangalore police into investigating the possible crime. A sting operation got an admission that she was dead from her husband, the Swami, and he led police to her remains, which were under the patio of her own home. She had been drugged, suffocated, and buried in a wooden box. Shakara was alive at the time of the burial. The Swami was convicted of the murder in 2005 and sentenced to death. The sentence was commuted to life imprisonment in 2008, and due to the gruesome and heinous nature of the murder, it is ordered that he die in prison, which is unusual in the Indian justice system. Mm-hmm. He has a petition for mercy currently before the court. We don't know how that's going to go. He maintains that she was dead when he found her on the bed and that he buried her with the help of the house servants. Whew, it was quite <laughs> something as a four-part series. Sasha, why don't you get us started? What were your overall thoughts? Yeah, I think... It hmm. when we find out episode two what happened, I almost I think did a one eighty because I couldn't believe that so quickly we find out. Okay, here's what happened, and here's how it happened. I was like, what do? Why are there two more episodes? Then what's the reason? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I I enjoyed it, but I felt like it was a little mid, right? Compared to the other docs, actually pre-show we were talking about that y'all have talked about or recommended. So Mm -hmm. I think on the scale of like compared to what, you know, other properties they are with Indian murders (laughs) and true crime, I felt that it was it was all right. But Still a compelling story, um, an interesting story, I think, that paints a painful picture of Mm -hmm. uh, India and uh, caste and family and religion and how all of that comes together, you know, to to cause devastation in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mari, what were your overall thoughts before we dive in? I agree with Sasha. I was I was like, okay, all right. Set up episode one, episode two, we get the the um crime itself and i was like okay what else do we have to go through and when uh swami shows up in episode three <laughs> to tell his side of the story i was like oh no god yeah, stop like <laughs> because we know how much i i really hate when they talk to the perpetrator um this one this one i okay so it was kind of funny because i don't like when they talk to the perpetrator because i don't like when they let the perpetrators version of the story events carry the day but i think that they did a good enough job where i was just like the whole time i was just like this boy's a liar yeah a liar like, the whole time i'm like sir we don't believe a word that's coming out of your mouth right now like none of this makes sense so i do i agree with um sasha i think that there were some things that 
could have been done better. Like I, I really wanted them to push back on a lot of his inconsistencies, like directly to him. We, me and Sarah talk about this all the time. They didn't point out his inconsistencies to him, but I think they did a decent enough job in the documentary as a whole for you to clearly see like, this isn't, come on, like this isn't, um, this isn't right, you know. Um, I yeah, feel I like think they, I think they gave they gave their opinion uh, subtly through now reenactments. I must say, I love the reenactments in this. They're really good because I like looking at the at the rooms and at the mm-hmm. objects in the rooms. And they didn't have people talking in the reenactments, which yep. I like. Mm-hmm. But they showed several times a reenactment of him drugging her tea. Mm-hmm. They never said that he did as a fact but they showed it several times in the reenactment. And then we had three different talking heads talking about her hand clutching the bedclothes that were buried with her, her nails being ripped off, her finger almost coming off because she had scratched so hard and the scratches inside the wooden box. So when he stumps up and says she was dead when I found her, we have already been set up not to not to believe him. So I agree, Mario, we don't like hearing their justification. I don't want to hear from them. But I feel that the makers of the documentary had already set us up to say, listen with a very uh, critical eye to what this man has to say. Yes. And and I, I know we'll get into his interview a lot in depth a little bit later. I think we should at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, that was another thing. Thank you for reminding me that I... Felt like I wish they went a little bit in depth on. They did keep telling us about, okay, we saw she was clutching the the bed sheets. They found evidence of her scratching the casket, but they didn't show us that evidence. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't provide crime scene photos, like direct crime scene photos. They showed us video footage of them unearthing the casket, which uh, trigger warning for anybody who who's like doesn't like the gruesome crime scene like they showed that and that was bad guys you know I was over here flinching you know I was over here flinching because I was all right with the skull coming out but when they picked up her hair hair see I don't care so no no I was not flinching about seeing the skeleton itself. I was flinching because they literally were just like, yeah, let's just dig. No exactly. No pictures. Like he's just taught. Like you said, he he had her skull and the her hair. We see him like put try and he the hair came off. This is not funny, guys. I'm I'm it is bad. The and he hair tried came to off pass it he, back into the skull. Yes. Somebody had to yell at him, like, no, keep that together. And he was like, Oh, okay, let me just put this back here. And they were just like open, they were just like digging into the grave and pulling stuff out. I'm like, where like take a picture? Like, how are you not damaging any of the evidence? Like they kept saying, I wanted to see the scratches on the inside of the, the, the coffin, like, which is weird because this is like my absolutely worst fear. But I like I wanted like more crime scene photos. If you're gonna show me the whole video of the body, like also please show me like some e- like what you put into evidence. And that, that I don't think there probably were any. That's I, what exactly I- <laughs> exactly. And that yeah. is the problem, Sasha. <laughs> no, because I unfortunately mean, this is 1994. No, it's not because of that. It's that (laughs) India sometimes, like, it's known, right, that, like, a lot of these places, even though Bangalore or Bengaluru, however you want to say it, or whichever you want to go with, but um, is a bigger town than most, or bigger city, Mm -hmm. sorry, but it's still... I feel like some parts of India aren't as, like, developed. Bengaluru is, 
it 100% is, but I'm just saying, like, I think in a lot of these, like, police communities, yeah. uh, they can definitely be seen as, like, if there isn't a shining star leading and kind of being like, this is how you do this. I want to overhaul everything you're doing. A lot of times it's vibes only. Yeah, it, yes. and that's what it felt like. And I'm pretty sure, like, they 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 do a good job of talking about when the case comes that the case is kind of circumstantial. But then I'm mm-hmm. like, is it? Because the I think the reason why they didn't have a problem like mishandling her remains because that's what they did. They mishandled her remains. Yep. Um, is because the only reason why they found her is because uh, Swami told them where she was. So and led and, led uh, them to it. Led to them the, to it. Yeah. Took a piece of chalk and drew out in chalk on the patio mm-hmm. of their home the the square that they needed to to open. So I just want to briefly go over the structure of the four episodes. Yeah. I actually liked it. Unlike unlike the two of you, I think I'm a little bit higher. I liked it. So the first <laughs> well no, I mean I liked it a little more. So the first episode yeah. is her her story, which is told I mean, let's put it this way. The pace of these four episodes is languid at best. This is mm. not a fast paced, fast cutting uh documentary vibes is the word we look at mm. photographs we look at interiors we look at outs at, at architecture um mm-hmm. we hear from some really interesting talking heads so the first episode is her story the second episode is trying to find her and the efforts of her daughter to basically bully the police into taking it seriously mm. uh and then they pop up Swami at the end of episode two and we get in episode three the police case the discovery of the body then episode four is very much hearing from him he tries to get out of prison and we haul out judges and advocates to talk about the criminal justice system in India and I actually found this fascinating because you know Mm -hmm. I, I love procedurals and I was very interested to hear from them and we get a clinical psychologist who I don't think illuminated it very much um, for us. But let me first talk about, Sasha, you talked about caste, about a a class system. How did that strike you through the lens of this this crime? Uh, Yeah, I think here's what I almost walked away with, right? Because here's my bias that I think he did it. So mm-hmm. uh, I felt, and, and this was pretty immediate, I feel like from episode one, where you're like, the Hindu Muslim um, partition, I don't know the right word, right? But the Hindu Muslim like conflict has been around um, for years, predating the British, but definitely been exasperated by the British. It's very much a real thing going on in India, even right now with Hindu nationalism and all that stuff. So it's just, it's a very real thing. So I immediately, when they almost gave us, right, like here's who she ends up kind of, leaving her family for in my mind I was like I pray you know that like women in India have like have familial support when they don't Mm-hmm. When they step out of line, right? Whatever that right. may mean. Or when they um do something horrible, according to the family. It's just like, why is there no support for these women? Because to me, she was left for, you know, literally left for dead. And maybe the one daughter showed up, right? Like, there's no other 
sibling uh, children mm-hmm. we hear from mm-hmm. so I was like maybe Saba shows up all the time maybe she doesn't but that's where what was sitting with me Sarah is that like it's so obvious that she's a Muslim woman and they and not only Muslim women like they're a high ranking family yeah so this whole um there is a saying in Hindi called Log Kya Kahenge, which means what will people say? And I mean, the amount of lives that have been destroyed by that. Right. And if you like listen to Hassan Minhaj, he talks about it all the time, too. But it's just this is so real and it's in societal pressure has like ruined lives. And then and you're the daughter of the Diwan of Mysore. Right. Like that's crazy because can you explain um, what that is like yeah it's like they're high up in they're basically like the chief executive officer of the in the government um of the government um of that uh state so karnataka Mm -hmm. now uh, it used Mm -hmm. to be mysore so yeah it's like the chairman something like a version of that basically Mm. uh but to me it feels like i mean like basically it's a states person right that's like high up and rich so, um, yeah, so, you know, it's just all of this come together. It just leaves her for dead. And to me, it was so obvious that she, you were never going to hear from her again because the family just like excommunicated her. And I was just like, OK, so y'all and then the chutzpah to, you know, blame him and take no blame on like isolating her. Right. Like that was yeah. another piece. That I feel like the documentary could have at least asked. Mm-hmm. It, I, I definitely wanted to ask you this question, Sasha, because I feel like the documentary really tiptoed around the cast system. I don't think it really actually delved as deep into it as I thought. I feel like my previous knowledge of like very surface level previous knowledge about um, like uh, the cast system in India and just like um, when it comes to families and and like preferential treatment that some families uh received just from their blood from their i was also wondering if any colorism had was coming into this did you get a hand of colorism at all no not this time but colorism is yes right like the answer is always yes but also i think the difference between caste system is that it's usually in hindu families oh um, okay where or the the ones that we know about right the brahmins and uh all the way down to the Dalits, right? Like that is very much a caste system for mm-hmm. Hindus. So I think this was very much just like a religious. Oh, okay. um, like religious, but it, also oh, okay. owning class and yes. you know, middle class working so class. Caste, yeah, a more yeah, monetary so, way. Yeah. Of okay. Not I mean, we like hear, the way again we're used to it. We hear throughout from Rebab and her mother Saida, and I love these women, but my God, the tight mouths of these women talking about (laughs) the shock. First of all, how beautiful she was. You know, it's sad when ugly people get murdered as well, everybody. But, you know, she was very beautiful and it was this incredible wedding. And uh, these are second cousins of this family. And then after she marries the Swami, the whole town's in shock. And you know these women never saw her again. Uh It's like, where, where were you? I know what you mean, Murray, about wanting it to be more prominent the Uh isolation that she got but I feel that I do feel that it's there in a lot of the things that are said I mean Saba her daughter is all her daughters are estranged from her they go to live with their father in Italy Italy uh, Mm -hmm. when he's a diplomat there she's a model so when she comes back she starts 
trying to rebuild the relationship. She's phoning her and like then every, day. every mm-hmm. day. Then the phone calls stop and she asks Swami where, where her mother is and there's this story and that story and the other story. And finally it's the shock for her of finding the passport. And I thought Sabah was very interesting because even though she knew something was up, she couldn't conceive that her mother would be buried in the patio of the house until the shock of seeing her passport, finding her mother's passport, and that's when she goes to the police. And that's the first scene that we see, the former Inspector General for the police saying, I heard this shouting, I just started my new job, and I heard this woman shouting and I said, bring her in. You think, well, if that man hadn't taken up the case, what would have happened, Sasha? Like many others, it just Mm -hmm. would go. Um, Again, this is a a very real story. It's not everyone's story, but it is very overwhelming where, Mm -hmm. um, again, status plays a big role in preferential treatment everywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. That's just a reality. So I wonder again if she's like, I'm the granddaughter of the Devon, like, Mm -hmm. please um, let me in. I think they would have been fine, right? Or if you're rich and people know you, you're good. You're going to get heard. But I feel that a woman, I mean, this has been like real in my family too, where um, women have not wanted to like come forward for whatever reason, because they're like, well, do I really want to go to the police station and be harassed? Not really. Um, Or, you know, be victim blamed, et cetera, et cetera. This is just like all very real things that happen. So shout out to her for still going to the cops. I just want to say thank you, Sasha, for uh, for more illuminating that it's it's socioeconomic status yeah. that kind of drove this along with the religion. Like that makes sense to me. Like so, it, mm-hmm. it's America. Like, this is, this is, exactly. I was like, I nothing that. we haven't <laughs> seen. Nothing we haven't seen here. So that yes, makes, that makes a lot I was. Sense. I think, Mary, that that's really insightful. I was thinking the same thing as I was watching it. It's like this is not exotic. This is not, <laughs> oh, look at look at that thing yeah. that happened over there because mm-hmm. the things that are being talked about, about privilege, about money, about religious intolerance, about control mm-hmm. of women's bodies. I mm-hmm. mean, even after she is found, she's not allowed to go to the family oh. grave. And I oh. wrote, I just in my notes, I wrote, even after we're dead, they want to control exactly. our bodies. Exactly. Oh, my gosh, uh, yeah. And I just I found this very moving, um, very sad, but also it had such a such a ripple effect out to our own lives, things that we're seeing now in my country and in your country. I was really surprised uh, at the the parallels that I was seeing. Now you mentioned the interview with the Swami. I think let's not avoid it any longer. Yeah, Mari, <laughs> tell us about this man. Oh, man, the moment he opened his mouth, I was <laughs> like, I, I don't like using over overused diagnostics terms like like um, psycho- psychological diagnostics terms. Um, but it definitely rang of narcissism with him, like from the jump, like the moment he opened his mouth, he's like, it's a whole bunch of like non-accountability it, it's oh this happened to me he's like when I met them they invited me to dinner I couldn't say no they're a rich family you know and and she, she was you know she her and her husband they were having issues so I was just there for her as a friend and then all of a sudden she's proposing to me she says she wants to marry me and and this is what got me when he said this too he's like she she after her divorce she was living alone and she she was the one who wanted to marry him he wasn't 
pushing the issue. He said he only saw her as a friend and she had proposed marriage to him. And he was kind of thinking like, well, you know, most Indian men want to marry a virgin and she wasn't a virgin. So I did have to consider that, but we ended up getting married. It was like, he was trying to put her down in any way that he could like, like, and I, and I'm wondering like, was life like that with him, you know, with, with, with her being such a higher social status than him and, you know, her being, I, I, I do feel like it's a, it's halfway between, I think she definitely had her own onus. I think she was, was um adventurous and brave enough to like, be like, forget what everybody else says. Mm-hmm. I want to follow my own path while also being probably sold a bill of goods by this man who's, who's probably, who's very good with his words. So I, there was just so many things that he just, breadcrumbed and and after they got married he he said she took pills and she got fat it was like yes. every chance he could get like a dig at her it was so he was annoying. just negging her right like he the had whole to time. yes and 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 saying like oh she she kept getting in arguments with me and one one day i i just couldn't take it anymore i just sat up all night and i and i couldn't do it but also falling short of saying that he, still falling short of saying that he murdered her it was like what are we here for? Like, what are, what is this story that you're telling? And there are so many things that he said that was so inconsistent with things that had already been laid out to us that I, I really wanted somebody to just be like, this is inconsistent. Because I think when he was talking, he said, didn't he say that she had died in like March? My subtitle said that he said that uh, she died in March. And I was like, well, huh? He, he said that he just, he had just woke up one day and she was, she was dead in March and he just, couldn't tell anybody so she kind of sat there and he was trying to figure out what to do over oh, a few days i think he said yeah but well, he, I, has I to account, he has to account for the time to make to the wooden box yeah exactly and oh. dig the pit but the right. but the the groundskeeper one of the house servants says that the pit was dug and the box was made before she died then he yeah. made the house servants put her in the box with him yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah, correct. It was so there. Yeah, so there's so many inconsistencies that I was just like, uh, <laughs> no, it just feels <laughs> reckless to give him that. Yes, thank you, Sasha. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? Like that's where I was like, nothing. First of all, you're not pushing back. You just, mm-hmm. you know, they just kept asking him, "Oh, do you think you did it? Do you think, you know, did you do it? Did you, like okay." Is he dumb that he's going to now say yes because freaking Amazon showed up like stop is just he he this is his truth. He's going to stick to it. And how about we push him on? Why did you lie that she was in all these countries mm-hmm. or that she was when her child kept knocking at the door? That's what I wanted the answer to. Yeah. The claim yeah. that she was pregnant with a boy and that she made yeah, that she had a whole baby. I'm like, nobody. Did, we Are we not going to go to the hospital? and look for records of any of that's this. what i'm saying but, but in india he's, again you can destroy stuff it's he not. spoke of her being in hospital and Saba called the various places that that he said she was uh-huh. but the cruelty of the one thing that really stuck struck with stuck with me and the documentary makers give us all this before we meet him as it were is her daughter Saba saying that he said right i'll get her on the phone and he would ring and he would talk and then he'd say, come on, come and speak to your mother. And when she would get there, it would be the disconnect sound. The cruelty of that, 
Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't kill her, which you did, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know where she is, and you're doing this to the daughter. This is a cru- this is cruel, and it's dismissive of women. And I think he thought he could get what she had, which was property, jewelry, clothing, objects. Mm-hmm. He started selling her property. He says because she told him to. It's a very a very twisted way for a man of a spiritual man to be behaving. Yeah. Well, the spiritual man. Yeah. Like there's a lot of these quote unquote swamis that do stuff mm-hmm. like this. They're just like con people that just want to like use religion to kind of sell whatever they're doing or like they'll use religion to like almost like a black magic kind of deal, you know, to be like, well, I have God on my side, blah, 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 blah. I can do this, this, and this. And some people actually can, but, you know, these people are just, like, nonsense. Like, yeah. trash. Was it, that's, was it one of uh, Shekra's um, uh, like, cousins who said that um, that they might have thought, like, black magic was used originally when they when she had first... Yeah, yeah, one yeah, of them was talked about you. Mm-hmm. That was Rebab uh, mentioned that, and her nephew... Her nephew, okay, yeah. Ali Abbas, yes, yes. Yeah, her, her, her male... Her who who seemed yeah. you know, very straightforward, modern really man. Yeah. Yeah. And then he <laughs> said, you know, uh, so this, that, and he's giving us facts, and it's like, oh, great, Ali Abbas, okay, okay give us... Give us this is good. We're getting the real stuff. And then he says, "Well, you know, he probably used black magic on her." And blah blah blah. And I thought, okay. <laughs> but that's like a thing people, yeah, in India yeah, really yeah, believe that. Like, mm-hmm. it superstition is huge. I mean, I believe in some version of it at least. But mm-hmm. I know folks, and maybe this is TMI. Um, but it's not my. I don't do this, but I'm just saying. I know people that after their period, you know would wash their femme personal hygiene products before putting it in the trash because then people mm. wouldn't do black magic on black the man, blood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard no I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Like, keeping your your body close <laughs> so that Yeah, exactly. I had a friend whose mother would put write people's names on a little piece of paper and put them in ice cubes in the freezer as a curse and one day my friend found her own name in the I never looked at those ice cubes because I thought I don't want to be I don't want to be in that name That's so funny. people and- people have those those thoughts right hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I thought the only thing about his interview that I ended up like liking in episode four was when they brought on the clinical psychologist, Dr. Perna. And I love that because she was doing exactly what I was doing at home. Like, <laughs> and we all know I love when they sh- when they when they show somebody else's interview to somebody else for them to yes. be like, nah, nah, homie, nah. And they were they were they were showing the interview of uh, Swami talking about when they asked him, like when they were asking him straight up, like, you know, what did you think? How could you just if you saw her dead, how could you just put her in the box there? And he's like, I panicked. I was just thinking about me. I didn't, I didn't want to get in trouble and stuff like that. And at the moment I was like, Oh, so you just cared about yourself. Like <laughs> the doctor came up and she's like, yes, this is very self-centered. He, he, he's not thinking about his wife. I was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, and it's like, hello, that's the smoking gun that he was yeah. like, all I cared about m- myself because I don't know that normal people will track that if someone they love is not breathing that they're they're like okay i'm gonna commission a box to put (laughs) in and then do all the uh, you know uh, muslim final rights like no you're not thinking that way and and here's the thing i another thing i'll give him is that there probably is a lot of threats and a lot of like stuff against his life. Uh, I'm sure of it. You know, that people um, that he was threatened and that he felt threatened. I think all of that is true. But that does not equal him being like, so I had to think about my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem is he he served her that that drug tea, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And he had the box in the hole already ready before she quite yeah. died. Mm-hmm. And we know she did. We know she went in alive. And that just, it just, all of the above. It's so horrifying. Honestly, the fact that she went in alive is, it's then and that's it. That's, that it's a wrap, you know, because even if his story is, oh, I thought she was dead when I put her in the box, you're admitting to, to putting her in the box. You're admitting that you said, like, I had nothing to do with her death. She was dead. I put her in the box. I panicked. If they prove, like they said that they did, that she was not dead when she went in the box and then you buried her, then your admission of of tampering with her quote unquote body, you it resulted in her death. So you killed her and you killed her in one of the most brutal, unfathomable ways possible. And you can say like he's not even saying it was an accident. He wasn't showing any remorse for it. Like this is this was so upsetting. And, you know, in a sense, it's like. 
this poor woman died. She was isolated from her family. She, you know, she made whatever decision she could, she made. She was isolated from her family. And then she was unceremoniously buried alive. And it took years for her to get justice. And then, like Sarah said, even after she got justice, she was still treated and ostracized as, as an outsider after her death. Like, so sad. Yes, I mean, he can't even summon up enough, enough remorse in this very unusual circumstance. We're told that there are only two sentences for murder in India, certainly at the time. I don't know if that's changed. And one is death and one is life imprisonment, which usually is 14 years. Mm-hmm. And he has been ordered, his appeals have all been turned down, his death sentence has been commuted, but he must stay in prison for the rest of his life. Manufacture some remorse, my friend. They're not going to. They're not going to give you mercy if you don't. If you don't show that you're sorry, she's dead. Even if you didn't kill her, which you did, show some. Show that you're sorry that she's dead. It's a very strange internal thinking, and as you say, Dr. Prema, the clinical psychologist, certainly gave us some insight. I did want a little bit more, but you know, we we can't have, we can't have everything. Could we yeah. talk a little bit about Liveline Bagat? This is her friend who was also a diplomatic wife, and I found her very interesting uh-huh. because she gave us insight from a different side into what Shakara's life must have been like. Because we get Reba and Saida saying, oh, they were beautiful people and it was a beautiful marriage and everything was beautiful and it was a beautiful uh-huh. family. Like and people don't get, fake it, right, for the outside. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. come on. yeah. And then we get Liv Lean, who who's not commenting on the relationship of Shakra and her first husband, but is talking about the reality of being the diplomatic wife. Doesn't even have to be a diplomatic wife; it's the trailing spouse. Mm-hmm. So if one spouse yes. gets a job, they have a job to step into. They have the connections to step into. And the trailing spouse has to set up a whole home, has to set up the social relationships. Um, what did you think of of Liv Lean and and her? insights here Sasha yeah great right I think this would have it was nice but again I just felt like they were like we got four episodes we gotta Mm -hmm. fill said four episodes because again we she said nothing that we hadn't heard before but maybe from an outsider's perspective right instead of um her own family uh I enjoyed it. I enjoyed her. But yeah, outside of that, I just I felt a little bit like, and what? Like, you know, what what more do you know about her psychology? Right. I wish we would have gotten she was a life of the party, uh, but she was, you know, really lonely. She came to me and said, I want a boy child. Right. Because this is allegedly why she went to the Swami in the first place. So I just I wish we got more of that, like, oh, I was her friend. Here's some behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. that folks don't know about. Because outside of that, it again just felt like, yeah, we yes, we agree with you that she looks amazing, is beautiful. But yeah, I just I felt like it was kind of like a whole lot of just surface level. So do you think there's kind of a void? And I'm thinking now while we're discussing it, and Mari, I'm going to ask you too. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's almost a void where Shakara should be? What? Why did she decide to dissolve her first marriage? Did she want right. to be away from that husband and that life? Or did she want to be towards the Swami? They married within six months. Did the Swami promise her a male child? Someone mm-hmm. talks about, oh, every Indian woman wants a male child. 
did she? We don't find out. Saba even doesn't really talk to us about about Saba her mother. says it a little bit, right? That like mm-hmm. I know this is something she wanted, but again, does Lovely know about it, right? Like yes, these exactly. are my questions. Yeah, like yeah. is there not one friend they could have found that was like here yes. are her inner desires before she left us? Yes, I mean her yeah. mother even we we speak to, and she's sad that she's dead, but she never talks about the fact she was suing her own daughter. after the divorce to get property back that she had gifted her. And she had, in fact, many cases against her daughter to recover Mm -hmm. gifts, uh, property and other gifts that she had given her as a punishment, presumably, for her marrying outside of the religion. Mari, did we get to meet Shakara, do you think? So, yeah, as you guys are are talking about it, I'm realizing, no, no, we didn't, because unfortunately she didn't have that friend because she was clearly ostracized you know like her her being away from society basically um especially that last year of her life i think uh we we did get was it from the swami himself who said like at one point she just stopped coming out of her house yeah like and that was before she died like that that is before she died so that's why it was kind of hard for them to pinpoint when they were trying to figure out when she died you know what i'm saying because people just stopped seeing her so Unfortunately, I think the only person who could have given us her thoughts is the Swami. And we don't believe a word coming out of his mouth or Saba. And technically, uh, Saba, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sarah. This is all archival footage. It's all archival from Saba. Yes, that's right. Yes. So her whole family and her mother's archival as well, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. So nobody sat down with the, the documentary team. Um, where they could have asked these these questions. So so all of our informed opinions about Chakra is through all these multiple different viewpoints of her from r- different random family members or archival footage or for the, from the Swami. So, I, and again, it, it still doesn't make me feel any um, like less bad for her, but I, I do wish we... Now I'm realizing I wish I I did know her a little bit better. Yeah, that was my take as to why I felt like it was like not necessarily the best because I felt like there was no universe setting when it came to her. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we we knew that where she lived, we knew how she acted on the outside. But again, it just felt very surface level and maybe they should have named that like she didn't let anyone get close to her right like even if they said that right we don't know we just this is an assumption we're walking away with because no one close to her wanted to talk but also no one close to her like the not no one the people close to her left her like and just bounced right out of her life even though her nephew said right he knocks on the door um when she calls him um outside of the car and then he ends up going home uh, going to Richmond house to see her and then you know he's not allowed if if some man is not allowing you to see your aunt when out or you know when she went out of her way to say hey come see me tears in her eyes why aren't you raising alarms like why wouldn't the documentary like makers be like, so what did you do? Did you tell family that this happened? Right. And so th- these are my questions as to why I was like, it just felt surface level. Do you think yeah. that there's an element where the people being interviewed are not lying at all by any means, but are making their actions 
the best version that they can. I'm not mm. being very clear. Oh, yeah. They're, I know. They're, yep. they're, sculpting, they're sculpting the story so that they don't have to admit out loud that they, that they all let, let her down. And I'm starting to think in a strange way, and I came in liking this documentary very much and I'm going to continue to, but in a strange way the documentary let her down as well by skirting around the fact that she's unknowable. As you say, Murray, let's go into the fact that she's unknowable. She was Mm -hmm. a diplomat's wife of an owning class. You don't tell people what happens outside the family. I come from a a lower middle class family myself, but there's still what will people say. You don't talk about the family outside the family. And women of my mother's generation and social and economic standing did not say what was happening. And I think now where how were they how were they ever being supported um and there's a sadness there i think uh in that unknowingness of of her yeah exactly and it's just it's just really unfortunate because we will never know the motives as to why her and her first husband broke up you know we'll we'll never know the motives um but honestly, I, I think one of the things is it's like, oh, she was lonely. Yes. She was a diplomat mm-hmm. and she was lonely. Well, interestingly, Akbar Khalili, who's her first husband, he has been to every hearing and continues to. Uh, and, you know, here we are 30 years later and he's mm-hmm. still fronting up at every hearing. So actions yeah. speak. It's very yeah. interesting. We don't, they don't ask him why. Why? Uh, mm-hmm. But what what is that connection that he felt with it? I mean, they have the same grandfather, so I mean, he is actually her family as well as being her first mm-hmm. husband. And I'm just thinking that now of that silent support. But hey, maybe don't be silent in your support, don't be everybody. Silent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it felt like it felt like they're just kind of guessing because because she was told that she was going to marry Akbar when she was 12. So it was like she had no wiggle room. And and then they, we get things where it's like she she wanted to reach for the stars. She was a go getter. She didn't. She wanted to make her own way. So the assumption is maybe she felt stifled in the life of a of an ambassador's wife. You know, it, it felt like a lot of guessing and and reach at the end and I do agree when you said like people were trying to minimize their effect on her life because it did kind of feel like it was going back and forth like I said between them trying to be like it's her fault that she was they even said it at one point they said um uh one of somebody like the police officer or a Christian said like oh if she hadn't abandoned her when she abandoned her yes, family God forsake her her. and so and and because of that he wasn't with her when she dealt with this almost like she got what she deserved it was it was like they were all trying to hold back from saying that and I was just I was very appalled again it's just such a a a sad story like the because to me it's like a woman finally steps out of the shackles of society and she's like I'm gonna make my own way I'm gonna be quote-unquote with the person I love and then he murders her, kills her, hides her body, and then everybody's like, "See, we told you." You know what we I'm saying? You. Like, yeah. Damn. yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean the 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 person who seems to feel the most remorse is the groundsman, who after the burial of her body turned to alcohol, and that's mm-hmm. how they found the truth. In the end, was yeah. one of the police officers took him out for a couple of drinks 
Yeah, and he was pouring away his drinks, but giving the groundsman drinks. And I think he felt an enormous amount of remorse. But again, I'm only I'm guessing because we don't actually speak to him. We just yeah, see his archival. actions. He gave mm-hmm. he gave up the Swami for three drinks of um, Sarak. Mm-hmm. Sasha, your final thoughts and how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate dancing on the grave out of a possible five? Yeah, my final thoughts is still that it is painful um i appreciate them bringing this story to light because it really i feel like spotlights how a woman having some agency in her life like takes away all the agency in her life uh, within these like patriarchal colonizing white supremacist Mm -hmm. systems so it's just it, it it was really fascinating to watch and I overall enjoyed it. But like I said, I think there are a lot of um, holes that I, I I wish they would have answered a lot of answers and missing. Um, and the fact that he got two episodes like that. So, I mean, that's wild as hell. So mm-hmm. uh, for that, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to give it a three because I, I think it's it's interesting, but it could be better. Thank you. And Mari, uh, what about you? How many magnifying glasses for this docuseries? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on it. I do have a lot of questions. There was a, like, like I said, and like Sasha said, there are so many things that I was like, man, I really wish they would have addressed a little bit better. But I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. I thought it was an easy watch of <laughs> for a four, four part series. Like with, with these type of documentaries, uh, like Sarah said, they're, they're slow creeping. And so when it first started, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> four episodes. <laughs> but like once you get into it, you get into it. And the episodes are only like 36 minutes. They're not like the full 42. They're on Prime Video. So it's like not too many ads. Or Were there ads? I can't even remember. I feel like no, I know. No, no ads, oh, right? I didn't okay. have any. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, oh. I can't remember, but I smashed through it. Like it was I was surprised. I was like. Uh, it, it, it was maybe like two hours and some change, um, something like that to get through all four episodes. So not bad at all. Very watchable. I think I think I, I, I like that this story was told. Like Tasha said, I, I really think that this story really needed to be told. So I enjoyed it. I would give it, I'll give it like, I guess, a soft recommend if you're um, if you're if you listen to what we said and you're very interested there's a lot we didn't cover um so definitely go go and check it out but 3.5 for me sarah how about you yes i'm the same 3.5 i think it's above average i think it's very watchable i think it's very interesting i didn't mind the four episodes but i suppose it could have been it could have been tightened, but I certainly didn't mind the four episodes. Mm-hmm. I was very much looking forward to talking with both of you about it because I had mm-hmm. some thoughts, but other bits were fuzzy. And I think what I've come to and what is knocking it down a bit for me is what we identified as that void where Shakara should be. Mm-hmm. But if there's no one to speak for her, there's no one to speak for her. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that is the entire point of the documentary, that this woman was kind of lost to us uh, unless we tell her story and see the same thing happening in different forms in both of our countries now, you know, let alone Mm -hmm. back in the 90s. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. I'm definitely going to give it a recommend Mm -hmm. if it sounds interesting to you, listeners. It's very beautifully made and I appreciated that the, the rhythm was not, our usual, uh, what we usually see, I like things that aren't in the American mold. 
American mm-hmm. mold, very much the Australian mold, and the way things are done and the rhythms of these kind of things. It was actually really refreshing to have that broken uh, and told in a slightly different way, a slightly circuitous way. And yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say recommend. And can I can I just say you just reminded me, Sarah. Thank you. The ending, like after the very somber note that she didn't get the burial that we think she deserved. I didn't, she didn't get her rights. She didn't get buried with her family and stuff like that. They they talk about this tree. Like after showing the property, they they made sure to show the property over and over again because, of course, that's her final resting place. Um, she was she was buried under the property. We later find out that he had parties like on top of her grave, which is why it was called the dancing on the grave case and stuff like that. But at the end, after showing the property, which I'm assuming was at the time or something like that, then they show us the property now and a beautiful giant tree has just grown in the middle of the property and they show it to Swami. And even Swami is like, wait, the, the tree grew there. And so we're kind of left on this note that the tree grew in the spot that she was, you know, buried and murdered in. And we get this aerial view and the tree is humongous. It's, it's a like 30 year old tree. It's yeah, so beautiful. So beautiful. And it, and it was just like, it, it, it's, it, it makes you kind of tap into that spiritual side of your, of yourself and be like, is that her? You know what I'm saying? Is she, is she okay? And it was, it, it was, a um, a bit of a, a like to lift the ending, I think. So let's get to our recommendation. Sasha, what do you have to recommend to our listeners today? Yeah, this is mind old, but I felt like it's interesting. So if folks like haven't thought to maybe get around to shiny happy people the IBLP um, slash Duggar documentary uh, they lead you with the Duggar but it's actually about the IBLP for the most part so I'd recommend that it's also on Amazon Prime um, and the mess magnets actually ended up covering it oh y'all can just look that up it's called shiny happy mess so Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what I'd recommend because as like a Duggar like onlooker fascinated by just like how <laughs> like what cracked that whole situation is i find it to be very interesting yes i would definitely second that recommendation and mari how about you what do you, what do you have to recommend to our listeners today Yes, I wanted to recommend a documentary like from Hulu a few like months ago. It's called Queen Maker, The Making of an It Girl. It's just like it's kind of like a light documentary where they talk about like that heiress era of New York City where um, like Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie and that that early 2000s where it was it was they would follow the paparazzi would follow these girls and they'd make them into celebrities and stars and it was such a nostalgia watch for me and it was something I kind of just like put on to be like oh this is this is interesting it's like it's it's not crimey per se but it is a very interesting documentary about that period of time if you're interested in that early 2000s 2010s period of time and like the gossip tabloid of it all it is very very interesting so you can definitely go and check that out uh, what about you sarah i'm also going to recommend an oldie <laughs> we're mm-hmm. in the, we're in the we're in the before times here today yeah uh, it's a documentary called finders keepers this is the 2015 documentary not the 2014 horror movie mm-hmm. so 
John Woods had his leg amputated after crashing his Cessna. He asked the hospital for his leg. He thought he was going to get bones. He actually got a leg. So he mummified it and he kept it in a grill in his shed. When Shannon Wisnant bought the contents of his shed, because he wasn't paying his rental fees, that included the grill and inside the grill was the leg. The documentary follows the legal wrangle over ownership of the leg. Uh, you can stream what? it on Prime in Australia and you can pay for it uh, rent or buy on Apple in Australia and the US. It's fantastic. Nobody dies, but who owns the leg? Why would you want to own somebody's? You know what? It's whatever. What the hell? That is so funny. Yeah. That is hilarious. I love that. Oh, my God. At Crime Scene, we're eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's S-E-E-N, or email us at crimescenerhap at gmail.com. We're on TikTok at crime.scene and on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. And please remember to subscribe to our feed by going to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. It makes a huge difference. Sasha, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? Yes, as always, I am over on Mess Magnet talking celebrity gossip, pop culture, hot topics, everything. Go check out Rob has a website slash mess feed for all of that. And um, I'm covering Below Deck. So check that out on Bravo TV wrap ups. And for everything else I'm doing, just follow me on Twitter at funsize underscore oh four. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we loved it, as always. Uh, Mari, what have you got going on? Where can the people find you? Well, me and Matt Scott are still covering wrestling over on the Wrestling Rehab podcast. Each week, we bring in wonderful guests to talk about the weird, wacky, wild world of professional wrestling. So go check us out. You don't even have to watch. You just listen to us or watch us on the Rob Has a Podcast YouTube page. And um, you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed in order to subscribe. But honestly, go watch us. We, we bring up cool pictures. It's cool men in tights. It's storyline. It's drama. It's fun. It's just fun. So um, go uh, subscribe to that. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two, like the number two. I'm also streaming on twitch.tv slash Mari Talks Too Much as well. So please go follow and subscribe there. Um, Sarah, how about you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter, unless it's exploded by now, mm-hmm. <laughs> at Sarah Carradine, and I will post there whatever I'm doing. And please follow Crime Scene on Twitter as well at Crime Scene RHAP and we'll let you know there what we're covering next and you can watch it and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Sasha Joseph for joining us, Will from America for the theme music and the whole RHAP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case closed. Closed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.